Okay, before we get started today, I'd like to make a quick announcement. Over the last several years, I have spent a lot of time working with investors just like you, investors who have started their business, got it off the ground, got a little bit of momentum, but just don't know how to scale up from there. They don't know how to take a small business doing a deal here and there and really systemize it and scale it up in a profitable way. I have been helping people for so many years do exactly that. I did it in my own business first, and then I helped other people replicate that success in their business. And my announcement to you is that I am ready to help you do the exact same thing right now. I have developed a program that's called the Seven Figure Investor Blueprint, and it's called that because I want to take you from wherever you are in your business right now and help you ramp it up into a seven-figure profit business. You can do this. I know you've told yourself that you want to do it. And for whatever reason, it's just not working out. But I want to teach you things like how to market, to find the best deals, how to analyze those deals, how to negotiate with sellers and wholesalers to get the best possible deals how to get those deals funded, whether it's private funding, hard money lending, whatever. I want to help you understand the best way for you to fund those deals and then how to structure those deals for maximum profit. And then finally, how to build a team around you. You don't have to do everything in your business. And in fact, you shouldn't be doing everything. I don't do everything in my business and it runs really, really well. In fact, it runs better when I'm not trying to do everything. And I want to teach you exactly how to do that. All you have to do, if this sounds interesting to you, if this sounds like something that you must do in 2022 to reach your goals, go to sevenfigureinvestor.com. That's the word seven sevenfigureinvestor.com. Sign up. I want to help you this year achieve all of your business goals, but you have to go and sign up first. It's seven, the word seven, figureinvestor.com. I cannot wait to see you inside the program. We are going to do great things this year. We have a, a land flipping business that buys properties at 20 to 30 cents on the dollar and then turns around and sells them on terms to somebody else. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me here on the show today. I appreciate having you very, very much. If you are a regular listener and you think this show is totally awesome, I would be so appreciative if you would go to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, and give me a rating and review. I, I have asked for this in the past, and maybe it gets to be like background noise after a while, but I'm telling you, if you're enjoying this, and you want to just do the smallest of favors for me, that would mean way more than the effort you put in to me. Uh, it just It's a multiple of a thousand in terms of my the value to me and the workload for you is to go in, give me a rating and review. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. But that rating and review allows me to get found easier, get in front of more people, help more people grow this brand, and so that we can do cool things and continue to have awesome interviews into infinity. So that's my ask for you today. I know I've asked in the past, but I really, really, even to the point of pausing this and going doing it now. I know some of you, if you do that, you'll see you know something on Instagram or a text you got, or somebody will call you and you'll get distracted. And you may not come back right away. I get that. And I'm willing to risk it. If you could just go right now and give me a rating and review in iTunes, that would be so cool. And I would appreciate it. Guys, I am so fired up today for the interview that I had. I love all the folks that I interview. I, you know, I take a great pains and I take a lot of pride in me and the people behind the scenes that help me choosing guests that we think will be interesting and awesome and thought provoking and give you a lot of tools and strategies and inspiration, like all that stuff. That's what we're here for. And the guests that I have on today are really like they knocked it out of the park uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I tell my guests, typically we shoot for half an hour-ish length shows. We went over an hour 
and I could have gone for hours more. I had just a ton of fun with these guys. They are the founders and partners at Wealth Without Wall Street. They host also a popular podcast of the same name, so go check that out. They're serial entrepreneurs and currently operate over 25 short-term rentals along with several other investment strategies that we do actually get into. We go down some rabbit holes that have nothing to do with real estate, fair warning, but it's incredibly interesting. So uh, I really think you should, don't fast forward, don't don't skip over anything. These guys are bringing it all interview long uh, and they love to talk about the challenges and motivations that they experience as business owners and help other pers- others pursue financial freedom. Uh, their name is uh, Joey Murray. I think I said that right. He told me how to pronounce it, and I think that's it. Joey Murray and Russ Morgan. These guys are just unbelievably interesting folks. Very smart guys doing tons of cool things, just creating massive passive income for themselves in all different sectors. And I just had a blast interviewing them. This is one of the favorite interviews I've done in a long time, full disclosure. Um, They have me very fired up about a lot of things, and uh, we cover a lot of them uh, in the interview. I had a conversation with them after the uh, show was over and um, got even more excited about these guys. So I'm probably going to have them back on to dive into other aspects of their business. Um, But you will see what I'm talking about when you hear this episode. These guys are great. So without any further ado, I give you Joey and Russ. All right, guys. Thank you for being at Just Our Real Estate, Joey and Russ. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time and I'm excited to get into this. Oh man, it's our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Mike. It's exciting to be with like-minded people. Absolutely. And you know, sometimes when I'm when I'm interviewing, I'm talking to folks like I have an interview later today with someone that I've known for years. And that's interesting and fun. And you know, we can get into some stuff. But I also love diving into uh, folks like you who I, I have not met prior, but you have a really interesting story and and you guys have a great business and you have some stuff that you talk about that I don't get to talk about all the time with people. So I'm really excited to get into this because I can be uh, just like the audience sitting back and learning and and really kind of extracting stuff throughout this interview that I, is going to be very valuable for not only my audience, but for me. So thank you again for doing this and I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Well, Mike, you know, we have a podcast like you do, and it's one of those things where podcasting gives us the opportunity to definitely learn about new ideas. And be honest, half the time when Joey's talking, I'm learning something new that I didn't even know because he's, he seems like he he's constantly sharing new ideas with me. They call me the idea guy, but I, I feel like he, he's constantly at work with new concepts. Just today, he was sharing something with me on a, a house that we had just purchased as an investment property. I was like, wow, mind blown. Man, yeah, I, write that down, Mike. That's one of the rare times that Russ is going to give me a compliment. So we got just, it on audio. Be ready. Be ready. We, we, we've got it on audio. <laughs> he can't deny it. We can cut this thing up and send it to you any way you want. Uh, <laughs> so, so let's get into it. Let's for just for context, let's tell the audience, let's talk a little bit about, I, I don't want to spend all the time on it because it's not the meat, but I want to know a little bit about you guys' background. Where did you get, how did you get into real estate? What were you doing before real estate? If anything, like wh- where did you come from and how did you get into this world? So I'll start off, um, you know, I was in the mortgage business for 11 years. And during that time, uh, Russ and I became friends at church first. And he he started to refer me clients because um, he was a traditional financial planner at the time. The, he was in the belly of the beast, as we say, of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. And um, but then he he learned something new. He He read a book at a conference and he shared that with me. And to be be honest, he charged me for the book, which I thought was really low class. Uh, I was like, I mean, seriously, Russ, like business must not be good for you to charge me 20 bucks for a book. I I thought I I thought by giving him a compliment early on, he would let this go. Like this (laughs) is a sore wound that I made him pay $20 for something that I knew that he wouldn't have read otherwise. But okay, And truly, it did change my life. So I'm grateful that he did make me pay for it because then I actually paid attention and yeah. it it dramatically changed the way I looked at personal finance, the way I looked at controlling cash flow in my life. And after four years of us working together um, from that time frame, I looked at him at a conference one time and I was like, why aren't more people doing this? Like, why don't more people know that this is possible? I feel yeah. like we're sitting on gold here and 
I was like, you suck at getting the word out, Russ. Like we got to, I got to join up with you and go do this with you full time. And uh, the, the part about that that was difficult was my wife was at home pregnant with our fourth daughter. Hmm. And I had to go home and say, hey, you know how I make over $300,000 a year and everything's really nice and comfortable and all that? It's about to get uncomfortable because I feel like God's telling me I need to go do this and start this business from scratch with Russ. And, you know, her immediate response was, I think you should do it. Wow. And and I don't I mean, I don't know where people are, but if your wife tells you something like that, you feel like you can go run through a brick wall. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. Um, so 2014, Russ and I joined forces and um, we launched the brand Wealth Without Wall Street a couple of years later. And the podcast has helped us to reach people all over the country with this message that there are three simple steps to get to financial freedom and passive income is the key. So um, that's what we've been doing and uh, seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people's lives change as a result. I love it. I love it. All right, Russ, what's your, what's your story? Well, I mean, basically I'm Joey's hero. I mean, that's <laughs> I, clear. I don't clearly. know if you want to cut it like really quickly, you know, um, I, I, I'm the hero to his, you know, his situation there. The, like he said, I was the certified financial planner. I was doing all the typical things that financial advisors do, which is really enslaving people to jobs because you give them your money in hopes that you'll get it back in 30 to 40 years. And, and then whatever we do with it and nice boats and houses that we're able to buy with the, the nice fees off of that, you know, we can enjoy life while you work hard for it. That's kind of what happens, right? The, yep. the, the stock market crash and, and, you know, 07, 08, um, I was sitting there kind of palms to the sky saying, hey, what's, what, what is it that I don't know? Why is it that all these things are happening a lot like other people out there? I just happened to be the one that they were giving the money to. And as he said, I, I got to, you know, meet a guy at a conference that that kind of was the, you know, the spark to the flame of what was possible, you know. And yeah. what I found out is that the, the key obstacle keeping people from being financially free is that they don't have access to cash. And that was what I shared with Joey and and the opportunities then start flowing, right? Robert Kiyosaki says we have million dollar deals all around us, but we just don't see them, right? We're not yeah. trained to look for it. We're not sharpening that ax that, you know, our, our financial mind is not at work constantly looking for opportunities. Right. And I would say from the, for the most part, the reason that is, is that we couldn't take advantage of them, even if we saw them. Yeah. And so that became the starting point for us is to say, hey, if we get our cash into a place that we can actually control before 60, then what would be those opportunities? And as time went on, we started finding out all sorts of different things. Like, you know, there's lots of ways that you can invest every month. Joey and I share what we uh, our monthly passive income report with our audience. And since we've been doing this for the last 18 to 20 months now, what it has revealed is that there's a lot of things that we don't know about the world. And there's a lot of things that we're constantly learning, but it's also created an accountability from when we first started it. And I think our first report showed that we had like $3,500 a month in passive income to our last report when we reported over 50,000 a month in passive income. And it just comes from like focused attention on one subject matter and finding and learning from people who have been there before. Right. So that's kind of our story is, we, you know, we're constantly trying to lead from the front, but for some people, we're one or two steps ahead of them. And, and for others, you know, maybe we're 10 or 15 steps, but it's all about what is it that we're learning? You know, the, the saying that Joey and I like to give is just, we're just one beggar sharing um, with other beggars where the bread is. <laughs> I like that. That's, an, that's a great analogy I've never heard of or a great metaphor. So tell me when you guys got started, uh, let's just dial back. What, what's the first thing you guys did? What was the first investment strategy that you took action on? Well, I'll say this: coming from the mortgage business, the first thing I did was do some private lending. You know, I was sitting on some capital, and somebody literally just out of the blue was like, "Hey, um, I've got somebody they they want to buy this house as their primary residence, but and they've got money to put down. They just don't quite fit the box of the bank." Right. And, and trust me, I saw over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications. There's a, quite a few that are very loanable situations that just didn't, you know, for whatever reason, fit Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac financing yeah. guidelines. And, um, and so I was able to put some, some capital to work. I learned through that, that, 
I love the passivity of it, right? It's just yep. a check comes in every month. Yep. But I hated the idea that it was potentially locked up because I'd put it on 15-year term. Okay. And I was like, man, yeah. I want this thing to turn over faster than that. And so I learned from having done it, it was profitable, but you know, definitely wanted to have more velocity to yeah. my dollars. Got it. For for me, I, I started like probably most people buying, you know, a, a two bedroom condo. I happened to buy it in a college area, college I graduated from, mm-hmm. and just started a long term rental. And okay. you know, the the thing I learned from that is that my personality style, my investor DNA, as we refer to it now, is somebody who likes to be way more involved. And that was that passivity for that was not actually exciting to me. Right there's yeah. There, there, there's all these different things, the way that we're built. And what I didn't know then is that we've got to match up who we are as an investor with the investments that we're making. Totally. And for some people, they love the, just the repeatable process that a long-term rental provides, right? The comfort of knowing the properties are appreciating over time. Somebody else is paying the mortgage down. They're getting all the tax benefits, so forth and so on. For me, like I want to put my hands in there and get dirty, right? So, like for for me, like I, I wanted to like try to find opportunities that I could get involved in from a business perspective. Yeah, that would create cash flows, and that first investment opportunity that I was involved in didn't do it. So it was a, definitely a learning lesson from that perspective. So you were renting to college students. I was renting to college students, yeah, and that that didn't get interesting enough for you. <laughs> Well, I mean the the every six month call from Surpro to let me know that they you know were were sending me the bill for the latest you know water heater burst yeah, or yeah. you know yeah. tub party that poured I didn't into quite our do unit it for or whatever you. that kind of excitement wasn't yeah I mean that's always exciting right like hey by the way you know this this month's bill will take away the next nine months of cash flow yeah. that you have congratulations yeah. Gosh, You're really I know exactly what you mean. I, I had 25 rentals coming into 2021. I sold them all in 2021. I just had hit my limit with those kinds of things. We had it, it really hit its crescendo when I had a, a plumbing issue that over the course of six months extracted uh, about $24,000 from a rental that that cash flowed about $300 a month. So I was right. like, you know what? I'm just done. These CapEx things are starting to come up more and more frequently. Like I'm out. Plus, it didn't hurt that the market's at an all-time high, right? It's just surging. Sure. So um, anyways, that's my story. But so uh, together, uh, I understand how you guys started individually. When you combined forces, what was the first strategy? What was the first thing that you guys did together that was kind of got the move uh, the needle moving for you? Well, I'm going to jump in here first. I, I think the most important thing that we did, and we didn't quite understand it at the time, was we focused on our own business. Like Wealth Without Wall Street as a whole was super dependent on he and I on the day-to-day operation. Mm-hmm. And if we weren't sitting in the seat talking to somebody, money didn't happen. And we had to figure out a way to make our business more passive. And so we hired a consultant. So you talk about investment. This was an investment in us. It was an investment in what we knew when we could control the most, which was our business. And the consultant just looked at us and he said, you know, you got to start building a coaching program to bring your coaches in, like you have to take the knowledge that you have and put it down into a, a, a sustainable process that is repeatable. Yeah. And by the way, you got two really big picture, you know, um, minded guys. That's hard. I mean, it mm. was hard work for a long time to start putting down what is our process, like our GPS process that now exists was a result of sitting with that consultant and saying, all right, this is what we're going to walk people through every single time. And um, man, it's made all the difference because it freed us up to then start saying, okay, the business is running. Now we can start going outward into things that 
we've heard on the podcast from all these people for years, let's start implementing those things. And maybe yeah. Russ could share what the first passive deal we did outside of our business. Well, well before we do I that, know. I hate to use I hate to use acronyms without informing the audience. So tell them what GPS oh. stands for, because I know that's probably sticking right now for people can't go go forward because mm-hmm. they don't know what that means. Gotcha. So GPS is goal, plan, and support. It's it's putting in your financial destination, if you will, mm-hmm. and getting direction from where you are now to where you're headed as fast as possible. Like if, if financial freedom is your destination, you want to put that in your GPS. You don't want to take the one that says, you know, fewer turns. You want to take the one that says fastest, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we built the process uh, in those three very simple steps to create the passive income to exceed your monthly expenses, which ultimately gives you the freedom to do what you want with your time. Well, and I, I think that that's something that sometimes is glossed over. And this is a big thing for us, Mike, is when we realized that financial freedom truly was an easy formula that could apply to anyone regardless of where they were, right? That all they had to do is know two numbers. They need to know how much total passive income did they have, whether that was coming from $300 a month rental properties or short-term rentals or business entities or royalties or whatever their cash flows comes from, that they weren't actively involved in the production of that money. And then they just had to know what their monthly expenses were, right? You just take the number on the left, you divide it into the number on the right, and it tells you as a percentage how close you are to financial freedom. And I think when we kind of got that vision for us, right, we could just sit down and say, oh, I'm 0% of the way there because I have 0% of passive income. Or as it related early on when he and I got connected, he had some uh, private lending deals. I had a couple of short-term rentals. But the numbers were really small as it related to the total comparison compared to our monthly expenses. So when we started thinking about, okay, what can we get involved in after investing in our business? We started investing in all sorts of things. Some things were really bad. Like we got involved into a, a cattle business for some reason. We thought we were gonna, you know, be selling, you know, cow sperm, you know, to these, you know, super rich and dumb um, you know, cattle people out there. Sure. And we're gonna make a, all sort of money on that. Like it's such yeah, a it's, cliche, right? Cow sperm that we all we all start off there, right? <laughs> right. I mean, who who does it? I mean, Joey is more on the collection side. I was really passive <laughs> oh. in this approach, but it was still oh, it, it was no. definitely. <laughs> that was a bad idea, right? Like that was something that outside of going to the cattle auctions and listening to the auctioneer, it was a really bad thing. But from there we went in and, you know, we did something at the time that seemed really stupid. And as time has gone on, it's become like, oh, wow, that was one of the smarter things we've done is that we bought a bunch of um, mining computers that mine cryptocurrencies. Okay. So we actually own about 25 or 30 um, crypto miners combined that we uh, have a, a group who manages them for them. So it's super passive. It's like a little small rental property. Basically, you know, we have a management fee every month. It doesn't have complaints. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no need for rent not being paid. And it produces each and every month fractional shares of Ethereum, which is the coin that it's, uh, it's mining for. Well, you know, as time went on, that became a much smarter idea. We started that in 2017. Had no idea at the time, you know, what cryptocurrencies would do and, and the productivity of that. That became yep. super successful. Okay, we just real there. quick, real, real, real quick, let me just dive in. Define super successful. 27 mining uh, computers. I, for, I have two questions. What does that mean, successful? Like, give, give us some context. If you don't feel comfortable giving us the exact profits it produces, just give us an idea. Yeah. But also, no. what, is, what does a manager do if a computer is just running? What, what is being managed? Yeah, no, I well, so as I said before, every every month we actually produce our own passive income report and we post it out there. Oh, good. So, so we're recording this. Yeah. 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 We, we're we're we, recording we this February the first. The our Ethereum um miners last month for the month of uh, of December. So we don't have January's numbers available to us yet. After monthly expenses, after paying the management fees, so you ask what the managers do. Basically, they keep the lights on. They, you know, they're computers, right? So there's constantly updates that are happening to them. Sometimes you have a fan go out or whatever. So their okay, job is okay. to, to maintain all of that stuff, make sure they're running at the highest capacity possible. Between okay. our um, our all our machines, we produced a little over fifteen thousand dollars in cash flow last month. 
Wow. So Just- from a successful standpoint, when you, you take into account that, you know, we've had months as high as 20,000. So the price of the currency definitely changes, sure. but this is its cash flow. So this isn't how much money we have in the bank, right? This yeah. is the cash flow that's being produced every single month. And we have a couple hundred thousand dollars invested in these. So they, you know, they produce anywhere between 60% to 200% returns on an annual basis and have, for the most part, you know, the very first couple of years, the price of the currency wasn't that great, but thankfully we weren't selling it. So it didn't matter. And as the currency is appreciated, obviously we have much greater appreciation, but we, we look at it like a currency. We, We think about, this is no, nothing more than if I travel to Europe and this is the euro, right? So this yeah. is a different types of currency and we just hold that currency and it's cash flow every month gives us the ability if we want to, to borrow against it or just to accrue it. All so, right. Let me ask you this. This is not a crypto podcast, but I can't help being interested as an entrepreneur. I just did some quick math, $200,000 invested, 27 computers, Maybe I'm oversimplifying, but that's seventy four hundred dollars per station or per you know per computer. Does that sound right? You guys buying seven thousand dollars computers, or was there something else involved in that investment? Yeah, no. Um, and and the price when we first started buying them, I think actually was more like seventy two hundred a piece. Yeah. And then we've bought them as time has gone on, and actually some of the latest ones we bought were a little over ten thousand. So computer may be a little north of two hundred thousand invested, but I mean okay. pretty close. I mean it, it's the it, it's one of those things where it, it starts it starts producing right now. There there's lots of different nuance, and I'm this I'm not this is definitely not sure. av- uh, telling people this what you should go invest in sure. for us. The only reason we invested in it is because we had two good friends who ran this business. One of them actually had been a CTO for Gateway Computers back in the day, the old Cal branded company, right? Yep. And he had 200 days a year for almost 15 years in Asia. So he actually got all the contracts with all of these graphic card manufacturers for North America. Like he's, he, you know, we're able to get it at the highest level. So we were dealing with you know, a kind of a known commodity, even though we didn't understand crypto at all and, yeah. and still probably don't. Like we could give you like a super high level, like elementary education on it. But as a whole, we don't really understand the ins and outs. But what we do know is that we put money in by buying the machines and every single month we we produce this amount of cash flow and we report it um, on our monthly statements. Okay. So my question is, as the typical, like I, I I know you guys, I know a little bit about your personality. So my personality is if it's good once, it's good a thousand times. Why not buy a thousand more computers like right now? Why, <laughs> why, why are you, why do you have 27? Why aren't you currently buying 50 more? Yeah. So we actually did, um, we're, we're invested in a new deal that we just did put a couple hundred thousand in that is a, a, a little bit different operation where we're buying 750 uh, Bitcoin mining computers and they're going into a big, huge cargo storage container that's going to be operated uh, by hydropower and everything else. So we are moving or we are continuously okay. investing. Um, there's some nuance to Ethereum that I don't want to like bore people with, but basically they're moving away from the these mining computers at some point. Like there's, okay. there's not a defined date, but they have told all the miners, they're going to go to something that's called proof of stake in okay. order to, to get paid. And so all of these miners at some point will be irrelevant to Ethereum. And so for us, like we're just being cautious, right? Like we just, it, there are other currencies, uh, coins that you can mine, but they're not the big two. Like I would say Ethereum and Bitcoin, those are the two big two. They're going to be around in some shape or form in the future. All of these other ones, yeah, it, who knows? nobody knows. So sure. we're not super um, interested in that. But also, at the end of the day, right, the, the currency is constantly jumping around as it relates to the dollar. Yeah. And there's, you know, you're, you're, you got cash flow out every month to pay management costs, unless yeah. you're taking the cash flow from the, the deal to pay it. And, and so there, there's a little bit of volatility there. Sure. It's not something I would, again, tell anybody just to go do. But for us, it's been something that we've continued to invest in and then grow in other areas as the opportunities present itself. Okay. Can you guys give me a 10,000 foot overview, like a 10,000 foot view of what you guys do now to create passive income? We just talked about the the computers that are mining Ethereum. I understand that. What else? I know short-term rentals are part of your part of what you're doing, but just kind of like 
give us the get, put the guardrails around it for a minute. What do you guys what are you guys into at a high level? So I think what Russ mentioned before, we have our hands in a, quite a few things, and some of those things have been very good, but not necessarily exactly what we love. So we love the business side of things, like being able to influence a business either with um, contacts or systems or you know resources that would help it be more successful. But we have done some things that are just completely hands off. Like we have a, a land flipping business that buys um, properties at 20 to 30 cents on the dollar um, and then turns around and sells them on terms to somebody else. So think of it as we're buying someone's, you know, beat up weed eater that's been in their garage for 10 years and they don't know what to do with it. We come up and offer them 20 cents for the deal. And, the, and when I say weed eater, that's their land that they've had sure. and they've been paying taxes on, but they don't use, they don't enjoy it. And so we're able to get really good deals on buying that land. Then we turn around and we make it affordable by owner financing it to somebody for like a car payment, you know, $200 a month or $300 a month. And we just keep stacking that over and over and over. And uh, just last month, we were, um, I think, net income on our, on our land business was over $12,000 and climbing because we're able to just take that and continue to roll it into more land and then, you know, sell them again. And so, so when you guys buy land for 20, 30 cents on the dollar, and then your owner financing it to who and for what purpose? So the, the typical person who owns land right now is someone who has inherited it from a, from a parent. That's the typical person we're buying from, right? Okay. So people just bought random like quarter acre, one acre, two acres. Don't think like 25 acres in the middle of San Francisco, right? Like these are not desirable <laughs> sure. lots. Right. Most of the time they're in the places that none of us would ever want to own property. Yeah. So we go out and we market it to people who own property out of state and typically have back taxes. Like that's a yeah. red flag. Like, sure. please, please call me and offer me whatever, right? So then we go out and market it. The first people we market it to is the neighbors. As you might imagine, if you own property, the thing that you're most likely wanting to do is extend that property or protect your your, your boundaries, right? Sure. So we will market it to the, to the neighbors and probably 40% of all the purchasers will come from the neighbors. So super easy. Hey, by the way, before I go to the market, Mike, I want to let you know, I've got this property and uh, I want to give you the first opportunity to buy it. Yeah. But then we go on Facebook, on Craigslist, and there's other land websites out there. And we market it to people. We market up four times usually um, what we paid for it. And we say it's you know a couple hundred dollars down, a couple hundred dollars a month. Like Joey said, we try to make it a car payment. These are people who want to own dirt, you know, and eventually move out to it, whether that's move out and like build a house. A lot of times it's people who want to move out and live out there on a trailer or an RV yeah. or want to have a place to go ride their four-wheeler or, or shoot rattlesnakes or you name it. Sure. Like it's yeah. the, the people that buy this land, it's just random. And, but they don't necessarily think about it. Like that's not a thing I could do until they see an ad that says I can own property for a couple hundred dollars a month. And they're like, I got a couple hundred dollars a month. Right. And so that became, you know, a business model that's not unique to us. This, you know, a good friend of ours, Mark Podolsky, the land geek yeah. that, that runs a whole company that does this, teaches people how to do it. Sure. And Joey and I got to, you know, we started our own little business, had somebody on our team helping us run it wasn't super efficient in its process. And so then Joey and I were able to say, hey, how do we connect and just plug into a system that's already doing it? Yeah. And we we were able to create a kind of done for you model. And as Joey said, like we produce anywhere between 10 to $15,000 a month in cash flow that over and above, you know, uh, what we've put in there every single month. And that's just like a, a constant reoccurring thing. You yeah. mentioned other things that we've done. You said the short-term rental space. So we have over 25 short-term rental units from one bedrooms, two bedrooms, three bedrooms. And um, we 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 kind of handle traveling nurses, people who are in town whose house has been, you know, disrepaired because of a natural disaster or a disaster of their own. You know, we're talking <laughs> about plumbing issues, right? We got people that are in there because of that. We we own um, ATM machines. Um, so, you know, not, none of us probably have used an ATM machine in the last probably five years. 
but you know, there's a, a humongous population that still uses ATM machines and that's yeah. a, um, a very successful operation for us. We've been in multifamily. Um, Joey um, recently bought an RV for he and his family to travel out West and just entrepreneurial nature took that and put that on like an RV share type site and has a group who manages that for them. We have, uh, we're, we do private notes. We have e-commerce businesses that we own and get, and get cash flow out of. And then we have a whole information business where, you know, we do uh, different courses and groups and things like that to create cash flow. Yep. Um, so basically, you guys don't do a whole lot. You sort of sit around, put your thumbs. <laughs> just getting started. Yeah. You're not really into exactly. anything at all. You're just sort of looking around. Oh, my gosh. How do you guys even? You, you have families, it sounds like. My word. Um, so the short-term rental, let me just focus in on that for one second. Um, because this is a real estate you know, podcast. I, I know, but, but listen, I know that uh, my audience, if they're anything like every entrepreneur I know, everything interests them if it makes money, right? So, but I want to talk about the short-term rentals. You mentioned traveling nurses and people who have like, you know, been displaced from their house because of flood or fire or something like that. Is that to is that to say that you guys are not doing like Airbnb, VRBO? Or are you doing that kind of short-term rental as well or or not so much? Oh no, no. Yeah. We we utilize those platforms to drive traffic to our short-term rentals. Um, so yeah, those are the marketing arm of the business that just makes it somewhat easy. And you can look at your, your, you know, natural area and see what are your competition. So you make mm-hmm. sure that your pictures are, are much sure. better than everybody else's and you know how to price it accordingly. Um, but yeah, no, we, we do the Airbnb model. We just try to target certain people that we really want to attract. So, okay, so our, you're not, our, you're not looking for people on vacation, who want to spend three nights at your house. That's not the model. Well, so here's the thing that, and this is for anybody who's considering this, you have to know who your guest is going to be, Mike. Like in the short-term rental space, like you just have to know who do you want to serve. Now people will be like, well, crap, I don't know who that is, right? (laughs) I've never even considered that. And so when we first started this, we spent like $25,000 to go through a program to learn how to do this. Because we had stayed in a couple of Airbnbs, but had no idea. We'd interviewed people on our podcast and it sounds super interesting, but we had no idea where to start. So the first place you start, you have to know who your guest is. And so when we first started out, we had a a two bedroom unit and then we got like six or seven one bedroom units. And the way that we, we focused on it is, okay, who comes to Birmingham? Our town is not a travel destination for anybody, except we do have lots of hospitals. So traveling nurses was really easy. The concept of there's, you know, there's a couple of major industries in town. We mm-hmm. think, okay, we're going to have some business travels, right? So one bedroom units will fit traveling nurses, get them closer to the hospitals and will fit business travelers who's coming. Now, when we, we also had a two bedroom unit out there. And what we started finding is that the first probably four months that we had that unit available, it was being booked by families who were traveling in town for, for ball games, like mm-hmm. kids, soccer games, baseball tournaments, basketball, swim meets. And we're like, oh, we didn't even consider that yeah. that was an option, right? And so, was, and then then all of the local traffic started hitting us. Once they started knowing that we had this stuff, we were getting hit up by all the real estate agents and insurance people saying, hey, I got somebody's house is getting fixed. Or I got a, a client who's selling their house and their house is not ready to, to close yet. Do you have a place for them to go? And it was like, oh, well, we've got to serve that. Well, we need to get, we got to need to get bigger units. Like one or two bedroom units don't serve that group. So yeah. then we started adding three bedroom units, right? And then we started getting townhouses, started getting houses. And so now we've diversified who we want to serve. We have a, a traveling nurse. We have a professional traveler that fits in our one bedroom units. Then we get families that are traveling for ball games and other things throughout the year than the two bedroom units. And our three bedroom units typically is serving more local traffic people who just need a place until, right? Until their place is ready. And it's just kind of continued to grow over this last, you know, 20 something months where we started with zero and then we scaled to 25. All right. Let me ask you this because I'm interested in the short-term rental market personally. And I was really more going for the, you know, uh, we're renting this two to three nights at a time um, because the economics of it are attractive to me because in my market, I'm in Michigan, you know, a three bedroom, two bathroom house, thousand square foot will rent for thousand dollars 
a month, maybe twelve hundred, right? But as a short-term rental, that thing might produce three or four thousand dollars a month. But I'm wondering, with the traveling nurses and the people who are displaced, are you somewhere between, or are you just getting kind of close to what you could get as a long-term rental? Like, what is it that attracts you to doing that as opposed to just putting a renter in it for two years or a year or whatever, right, on a regular lease, or doing the actual like Airbnb two, three nights at a time. I know it's not a travel destination, but what I'm finding in my market is uh, we're not a travel destination either, but pretty much any city in Michigan has short-term rentals that are successful, right? It can They can yeah. be anywhere really, but I'm more looking at the true two to three night kind of like Airbnb, what people think of with Airbnb as opposed to what you guys are doing, not long-term, but like mid, mid-range, mid right? Something needs to be in there for a month or something at a time. Why does that model attract you? And this is personal. This is completely like selfish. I want to know why, yeah. because maybe that's what I want to do. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll just share with you our specific example. My two-bedroom, two-bath condo I own since 2004, I could never get more than about $950 a month on a long-term lease. Yeah. That was like the top end. Yeah. That means my cash flow on that thing was like a hundred dollars a month max. Yeah. It was terrible as a rental, as a long term rental. That was the first unit that we took the the plunge on, and we said, "Well, let's just see. My lease is coming up with this guy. Let's go ahead and just put it on the market for short term rental, and just see what happens. Let's see if all this stuff is true." Did you, when did you do this? By us. the way, when did you do this? What year are we talking? Well, it was great timing. Um, it was right at the forefront of the COVID pandemic. Like um, June, June 2020. June okay. 2020. Okay, okay. <laughs> and, and so we were shaking in our boots thinking, are we complete morons? Like nobody's traveling, everybody's scared of their shadow. And literally we put um, coming soon pictures on Airbnb because I had to renovate some things. Mm-hmm. And two weeks before it was even available, we were getting bookings. Okay. Okay. And those bookings it, within the first month exceeded like over three or four thousand dollars. Yeah. So we went from a nine hundred fifty dollars possible profit of a hundred dollars to three to four thousand a month, which was netting us even by paying our operator, which you know, we had to hire an operator to run this to get to scale to 25. But yep. you can yep. do this on your own. And this thing was netting, you know, over $2,000 so, so a month. I'm, I'm going to give you an example, like a side-by-side. By the way, you know, selfish plug here. We did build a short-term rental course. Like It's like 50-something videos. It tells you everything we've done in order to get to where we are. Like it is the most thorough. By the way, we've spent $25,000 to learn this content that we give away for a couple of grand. Like it's ridiculous. Okay. But the, here, here's one of the first examples we do. Like we, we say, what is an STR? Because at the end of the day, most people who get into this have been in real estate in some shape or form, right? So you go mm-hmm. out and you look at a, a three bedroom house on the market and we use an example of a $300,000, right? And the same house could either be a long-term rental or a short-term rental. My personal experience is that a long-term rental is going to produce somewhere around $150 a month per bedroom, right? Mm-hmm. So if I had a three-bedroom unit, it's going to produce somewhere around $450 a month. Okay. Our personal experience in the short-term rental space, it's going to produce somewhere between five dollars and $800 per month in profit. Per bedroom. Per bedroom. Now, yep. our model is a little bit different than the average person. We typically don't buy the property. So here, here's an example. You take that $300,000 property I mentioned a second ago. Investment property, right? I go put 20% down. I've got 60 grand in the deal. I have to go furnish the unit. And our, our experience furnishing a three-bedroom unit is roughly about 25 grand to, to pay someone to put it all in there to get it ready to go, right? Yep. So now I've got $85,000 in the property. And I can produce, if it's a... a a, a short-term rental, somewhere between $1,500 a month and $2,400 a month. Profit. Profit. Well, that's obviously significantly better than me trying to earn $450 a month from a long-term rental. Sure. But what we teach people how to do, and this is what we've done on 20-something of our 25 units, is that we don't buy the property. We actually go in and lease the property. Now, this is called rental arbitrage for yep. those who have heard that term before. Yep. So here's what our down payment is. Instead of 60 grand, our down payment is 1850 bucks because that's really what a, 
a you know a rental uh, rate should be on a three bedroom house that's roughly three hundred grand, at least in our our area. So we pay the eighteen hundred fifty bucks. We put the twenty five thousand down for the furnishings. So our outlay is twenty six thousand, and we're still going to earn that fifteen hundred to twenty four hundred dollars a month in cash flow. So that return on investment somewhere between sixty five and a hundred percent. Now, if I'm going to look at buying one as compared to doing arbitrage, well, I can go buy. I can I can get arbitrage on three units, so I can take that same eighty five grand roughly and get three, and now I'm producing four four hundred fifty to seventy two hundred dollars a month in positive cash flow after paying all expenses for the same amount if I went and bought one. Okay. So what we start thinking about is how do we like what's the goal here? If the goal is financial freedom, is passive income greater than monthly expenses? then it really doesn't matter what my net worth is, right? Yeah. Like I want to enjoy net worth of my life, enjoyment of the life. So what we start doing is like, how quickly can we get to where our passive income is greater than our monthly expenses? And this model has been that for us. And so we've been able to continue to scale and use that. I hope that helps answer your question. It totally does. Rental arbitrage. I've talked about it on the podcast. I've had folks on here. Avery Carl is one. I don't know if you know who that is, but uh, we've had her on here. So I get it. Here's the here's always what people say to me when I talk about rent arbitrage and I love I love the concept I totally love it is there's two things you're you're not getting the the tax benefits of owning and uh well you're not paying you know you're not you're not you're not building that that equity okay but everyone gets that but what I really that and I can I can overlook that because I understand what you're saying totally. But what scares me about that model, and tell me how you guys reconcile this, is your business. And I know you guys have a lot of businesses. So if your short-term rental thing goes away, it's not like you can't pay your bills, right? I get that. But let's just talk about the person who is putting all their eggs in the short-term rental basket and they do that. Your business is dependent on the owner continuing to lease to you, right? So how do you guys reconcile the fact that? You can't control that. You you don't have total control of that asset. Somebody can just say, "I'm selling," and so sorry, you're losing it. You you absolutely can do that. Uh, I mean, we can never like correct that in terms of um, being able to to stop that from happening. Um, in fact, we've had a few where we've had to readjust. Like we had some one bedrooms that they were performing, but they weren't our bread and butter. And so we shifted those two one bedrooms into a new two bedroom um, across the way to a different location. And so we were able to just take the existing furnishings and move them to a new unit. Um, But in the, the sense of like the landlords and the people that we work with, they love us, right? We are their best tenants that they've ever had. In fact, we get calls on a regular basis from them saying, Hey, by the way, I've got some more units coming available. Before I let them out, do you guys want them? Yeah, because I believe that. Love- are you guys using? Are you guys doing single family mostly, or are these like townhouses, condos, or or just a mix? We, we we have a mix. I would say the large majority are in apartment communities or townhouse communities. We have a handful of single family homes. It, we like the the skip again. We don't want to be in the maintenance business, right? And sometimes the single family homes don't necessarily have the best maintenance crews, right? As compared to an apartment complex, they're going to have somebody on staff full time. Like we can go in a portal if we have a dishwasher out and somebody shows up within an hour, right? Yeah. If yeah. if I if I reach out to a property management company who's managing, you know, a hundred homes. I may get somebody out there that day. I might get somebody out there next week. You know, like yeah. it's not necessarily as efficient as what we have found here and just scalability for us. I mean, the concept with what we've learned, these you, you have to create, you know, efficiencies for cleaning teams. You got to yep. create efficiencies for supplying them. Totally. So when we can get one to 12 units inside of a small like community, well, then we can have one storage area on property that that person can go to and get the supplies to go do all the different cleanings that may be happening. Right. Cause we have units constantly turning over yeah. to Joey's point. Like, and this is definitely the scary part, right? This is the part that you can't reconcile is that you don't own the property. So you don't get to control whether or not they're going to sell it. But what you can control is that you could like, if you were really worried about that, if I was dealing with a single family property, I could say, Hey, I want to be your renter. Can I put a first right of refusal if you get ready to sell this? I don't know many 
owners who wouldn't want to give you that, right? Like they they don't they want to make it the easiest transition they could possibly have. Sure. Now, sure. For an apartment community, clearly they may sell their apartments to another owner. And there there becomes a little bit uh, of a concern there is that well, maybe one person has a different experience of how sure. short-term rentals worked in their communities, or they don't even yep. know how they work and they have all of these, you know, crazy wild ideas that it's frat parties and lewd parties constantly happening in, in there yeah. and they don't want that in the community. And so we have to like have a transition as we do that. We we work with the uh, property managers and we ask them, hey, one of the first questions we're asking, how long have you has, has the owners owned this property? Is there any considerations for renovations or selling that you know of? Yeah. Like we want to like get as, as close to these people as we possibly can so that we can prepare as much as you possibly can. Got it. Okay. So my other question is, do you find, since you have a mix, do you find that the apartment communities, for example, produce, I get, I get the convenience and the economy of scale. I get all that, but are just as a pure investment is one better than the other in terms of, of the, of the attractiveness or how popular or how rentable it is, um, apartment community versus single family home. We have not seen a drastic difference one way or the other. And um, so to be honest, I, I feel like the apartments are more our bread and butter. They're just okay. easier. And as as Russ mentioned, there's a lot more benefits to us to be in those communities. It, um, they have a lot more amenities typically that you can have access to. They have, like I said, there's more systematic approaches to getting repairs done or things addressed. And yeah, um, to, to your point, like we have pools and we have gyms and we have, you know, yeah. lakes and walking areas and stuff typically in some of the apartment communities, which if you're traveling, you see the building, Hey, I'm going to be in town for a couple of days for a soccer game with my kids. What am I going to do that other 10 hours of the day that they're not at that meet sure. or soccer game? Right. Well, Oh man, having a pool, like there's a win. I, I can take them there. And I, that, I mean, I, I'm just from a parent who sure. travels with kids to sporting events. I'm like, yeah. I think like that. And that's how yeah. you have to think. The the part that, you know, where the houses come involved is if you're trying to only serve the local people who are being displaced, right? I, I think most people who are homeowners who are going to be in a place for a couple of weeks, like we've had a couple in our house, a family in, our, in, in one of our units for 10 months almost now. That that person, I would think, would love being in a single family, right? They want to make sure that there's no potential noise from sides or above or mm -hmm. below, right? Yep. But for the person who's traveling for two to three days, it's just not that big of a deal. Got it. So for those folks that are displaced, um, it, let's just say, let's just for a minute um, use Joey's example of he has a, this I know it's not really the right example, but you can get $950 on a long-term rental. That's just what the monthly rate is. These folks who are displaced, I assume there's like insurance companies are paying the bill or something. That's are right. you typically getting a premium from them? Is it is it 2X? Is it 50% more? Like what do you guys typically get over over market? Well, I, I'll give I'll give you the, the first example we had with an insurance company paying, which was pretty cool. So we... Um, we had a tornado, big tornado. We're in Alabama, you know, tornadoes and trailer parks, right? Like those yeah. things go together. <laughs> yeah. We had a tornado come through and the the day the tornado came through, we apartment complex reached out to our operator that we already had 10 units in and said, Hey, I've got three, two and three bedroom units come available. Do you guys want them? And he reached out to us and I was like, man, I don't know. Cause we had just expanded really big at that point. I was like, I don't know if we want them. And I was like, well, man, I, you wonder how many homes just got affected by that tornado that happened today. I was like, let, let, let me put a post out on Facebook. So I put a post on Facebook, said, hey, if you know anybody whose home has been affected by this tornado, let me know because we have some units we could help them with. And we had hands going up. Like people were like, oh, contact Russ. And wow. so we went ahead and snatched up two what three bedroom Two, units? Three bedrooms, yeah. At, at the time, which I wish we had gotten three. The <laughs> the first like thirteen hundred and fifty dollars a month was what we uh, what the lease was on this three bedroom unit. Forty one hundred dollars, Mike, is what the insurance company paid us for that property for the first seven months. That was the arrangement we made with them. Wow. What at the end of seven months they said, by the way, the family's home is not even anywhere close. To being done, I mean, what can we oh, do? 
And, and, and so we were like, hey, here's the deal is that we rent our stuff out on a nightly basis and this is costing us money. These are one of our prime units. We've got to increase the prices to tell us what the price is. We said 52.50 and they were like, done. <laughs> so $1,350 a month. Like, and, and we started immediately making 4,100, right? And by the way, our margins were much bigger because we didn't have all the supply turnover that sure. we normally have yeah. in a typical unit, Cleaning. right? Because yeah. they, they had all of that for the beginning. We didn't have to keep re, redoing that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then it went up to 5,250. So yes, insurance companies do pay for that stuff. They do pay a premium. And, you know, typically that's not our, you know, we want the three to seven night rental. Like we don't do the the nightly rental because that's, that's the party game. We don't want to sure. be a part of that. We have all sorts of things in place. We have cameras in, uh, outside of every one of our units. We have a thing called noise aware inside of all of our units. So anytime somebody gets too loud, it immediately notifies us. We can immediately send them a message. First message is a warning. Hey, by the way, not sure what happened there, but um, you guys got too loud. Just so you know, our house rules are: if you break it the second time, you have a five hundred dollar fine. Uh, the third, the third offense is we will change the locks and you will be removed immediately and forfeit any um, payments that you've already prepaid. <clears throat> I love and, that so much. You have no idea. I just fell in love with you guys. I love that <laughs> so much. That is the. I just wrote that down furiously. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Um, Wow. I, so I completely broke my my informal promise to you about getting you out within the hour. We are at we are one minute past the hour. You guys are insanely interesting to me, and uh, I love everything you're up to. But I will uh, I will try to wrap this up now. I, I hate to do it because I feel like I'm cutting off a really great conversation. Um, but this is so cool, and I love this. Is you asked me before we got started why I do this? This is why I do it. Because I talk to people that I learn something, they're insanely interesting, and I feel like I'm just hungering to learn more from you guys. Uh, I like your attitude of, about business. I like your diversity. Uh, I think it's just super smart, and you guys are, are very... It sounds like, and we didn't get deep into it, but I, I suspect that you guys are very much into systems and processes, hiring things out to great people, and stepping away and letting them do that so you're not in the weeds every single day. Is that is that a fair assessment? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We 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 the short term rental business. Joey and I wouldn't know how to deal with any of that stuff. Like it has all been delegated out. Like we we meet once a week with our operator to go through everything to hit the high numbers, but everything has been processed out. You got to have standard operating procedures for everything, and you got to try to remove all the single points of failure. But that's the passivity for us, right? Yeah. Like we want to be very passive as it relates to this sort of stuff. Yeah. So let me ask you this, just quick question, kind of more of an operational uh, approach that you guys take. You said you wouldn't know how to do it, but do you not get in there, learn the process, learn the software, set it up, train it out, and then step out? Or do you... Because some people do this, and I'm interested to hear your answer. Or do you hire smart people, give them the tools and say, please figure this out and implement it and make sure it's working? Like, How do you guys do that? That's what we did. We chose to hire the the best person we could, um, put them on a guarantee, kind of a salary. So we we definitely put more money into this upfront than the people that take our courses typically do it themselves first. Okay, and they start it and they get one and then they get two and then they start to scale and try to add on. Sure, you know all the other things that we've been able to do, but we we knew we didn't have the time to do that, so we yep. had to hire out the person. And then incentivize them to increase over time, so that they would want to be a part of something that we're building, you know, building at a much higher level. I, you guys, you just you, you, everything you talk about is right from my heart. I love that approach. I love it so much. Like I'm, I'm a big, I'm visionary too, right? Like you guys talked about, like you have two big thinkers and people who you guys are in the up in the stratosphere, looking down and trying to figure out what you're going to do next. Like you guys are moving chess pieces as opposed to being on the chessboard. I love it. And and my inclination is, I don't even want to learn that. I'd really don't even want to learn how to do this and spend six months trying to understand the software and do it myself. I would rather bring someone in and say, here you go. Here are the tools. I need you to learn them and implement them. I love that so much. My last question for you as it relates to building that team, I get how you do it. I get how you did it on short-term rentals. Do you find someone who's previously worked in the short-term rental world, or do you just find someone that you think is very smart, good at thinking on their feet, overqualified maybe a little bit, and then empower them to make it great? 
Yeah, so we're actually in the process right now to, to scale this across the country. And, you know, there's a tool that we use called the Culture Index. I don't know if you've ever familiar am, with it. I'm dialed in. I love, I, yeah. all I all I want to know is people's dots anymore. That's all I care about. <laughs> like, so and by the way, it's just, it, that is, it, if everyone had to walk around with a t-shirt with their dots, I would be insanely more effective at dealing with people, man. You are <laughs> dialed into my world. I love the culture index. So we yes. we, we want tech experts. That's who we uh, want to have okay. running yeah. our short-term yeah. rental business. Yep. What are you guys, by the way? What do your dots look like? I'm not always as good as with the titles. I know what a tech expert is, but what yeah. do your what do you guys look like? So I, I, I'm a I'm a high I, high A high B low C low D. Okay. And I am a low A high B. High C, low D. I'm a debater. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So I'm a daredevil. I am a 10A. <laughs> I am yeah. literally a 3B. I'm a 1C and a 0D. That's me. Yeah. I have zero detail. I don't have any patience for anything. And I told you guys before we got started, I'm an introvert, right? So I, I don't necessarily like it or need to, to talk to people or process out loud or, or all that stuff. I'm just like all gas. Like that's all I am. That's why when you say you, you're hiring people and they're just putting in the systems and you're stepping out, like I love to launch rockets and walk away. That's, that's sort of, and that can be a big problem <laughs> if there aren't people in your organization that are used to flying the rocket and maintaining the rocket, right? So uh, that's I love that the culture index. That's and for people who don't know, it's it's like the disc. It's it's a personality assessment to kind of understand how people are wired, what's under the hood, uh, and I think it's an insanely great tool for hiring too, right? Because any, anybody can be anything for an hour in an interview or forty five mm-hmm. minutes, right? You can pretend to be whatever you want. I did it for years in corporate before I was an entrepreneur. I. I knew what I needed to be to perform the job and I knew what I needed to be to get hired for a job. And I could be that for an hour. And then, then I was like modifying my personality for the next 10 years, which is painful, right? But you yes. kind of get a chance to look under the... It's almost unfair. You get to look under the hood before they tell you what the engine's made of. And you can, you know, if, they, if, if they're, uh, you know, like me, if they're, an, if they're a daredevil and they tell you they're really great at details and managing day-to-day processes, they're lying. Like, you know, they're not good at that. There's no way they're good at that. So um, anyways, we just geeked out on the culture index. But listen, guys, <laughs> I, I seriously could keep you for another two hours because I want to get into everything else you're doing. But um, perhaps we can agree to maybe do a part two at some point where we get sure. into some of the real nitty gritty of how you guys get yourself out of the day-to-day. You're into so much, but it, I don't get the incense necessarily that you're like running around like chicken with your head cut off, right? Um, and and, be, and I am interested in what you guys are doing. There's no doubt in my mind, my audience is insanely interested in learning more about what you guys are up to. Where can they go? What can they do to dial into some of these programs you talked about, the short-term rental program? I know you have others as well. How can they find out more, get more involved with you guys? We, we made it super simple. As Russ mentioned earlier, we created our own app um, that you can get access to by going to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash GPS. And again, that's your financial destination. You got to have a direction. You have to know your goal, your plan, and then get the support with other people who are like-minded, who are around you, surrounding you, and cheering you on. Because to be honest, financial freedom is a lonely journey if you don't have people around you, because most people are pulling you back into the bucket. They're like, oh man, where did you hear about the short-term rental stuff? That stuff doesn't work. You know, you can't do that. Or you, yeah. why would you want to do all this real estate stuff like that? Nobody gets they're They're just spending your money and blah, blah. it makes you start to doubt, makes you start to, to take steps backwards yeah. when you really need to be heading as fast as you can towards financial freedom because your time is never coming back. It's never coming back. Like we talked about our kids. I have five daughters. Russ has four four kids and man, I'm watching them grow before my eyes and there's nothing I'm going to regret more than missing those moments. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're listening to this and you're saying, that's exactly where I'm at. Like I'm watching my life pass me by and I, I have no control over it. You need to take control. And this is how you do it. You get the GPS in place and you can have access to our courses in that same place. So we'd love to, to meet up with you there in the app. Um, tell us you heard us on this show. We always love to connect from there. 
Yeah, please do tell them you heard, tell them you heard them here and, uh, and go check it out. That's wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash GPS. We'll have it in the show notes, you guys. So if you're driving, running on a treadmill, don't worry, we got you. Just check the, the show notes. Guys, it's been an absolute pl- pleasure talking to you. I, I would totally love to have you on again. Uh, and thank you. I apologize for going a little over what I promised you I would do, but you guys are just, uh, you could have been more boring and I would have wrapped this up a lot sooner, but uh, you didn't, you didn't do me that favor. Um, no but no, seriously, guys, thanks. I appreciate your time. Really do. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. That was really fun for me. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes when I do these interviews, probably a lot of the time when I do the interviews, I am really just... I'm just like asking questions that I want to know, right? I'm, I'm just, I'm there as somebody who wants to learn, interested, curious in people, their businesses, how they make money, how they run their business, how they hire, how they systematize, all that stuff. Like I, sometimes I even forget like that there's an audience and I'm just, I'm asking curious questions that I would ask them if we were sitting in a room by ourselves with no microphones and that this one definitely fell into that category. So I really hope you guys followed along with me and you were interested and had some of the same questions and, and, uh, you know, comments that I might have had, uh, because this was a fun one for me. I, I was really fired up after talking to these guys. So hopefully it inspired you too. I mean, they are just obviously crushing All right, They're making so much money passively and they have their life and, uh, and they have families and, and they're still able to do it. And they're just, just super interesting, smart guys who know how to make money. And I just think that's super cool. They're all the stuff that they shared on short-term rentals, very helpful for me as I'm getting into my short-term rental journey. So, uh, I hope they fired you up like they fired me up because I'm just like, I'm bouncing, man. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I got tons of energy now after talking to them. They really energize me. So if you feel the same way, use this energy. Go out and make it happen. Take action. Do something. Take the steps forward you need to take so that this is the year you change your life for the better. I really want that to happen for you. I really, really do. Go out there and make make it happen. Take some action. Use this inspiration and enthusiasm to move you forward. All right. We'll see you next time.